I didn't kill my wife! I don't care! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Sweet Sweet Podcast. This is Karen, the host of Citizen Frame, the spoiler-filled and harsh-slammers podcasts that crosses all bound, no boundaries. What's that saying? Um, that we, crosses we, no we, boundaries. We push boundaries. We push yeah. boundaries. If we, didn't, if we didn't cross boundaries, we'd just be a normal podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah push we, the, we push the boundaries of taste and decency. There we go. Like that. Uh, <laughs> today I'm joined with the usual band of misfits. That is Colin. What's up, man? How's it going? All right, and Trevor. All good, Karen. Good to be here as always. There you are. Uh, this is going to be kind of a fun one, especially because I got Colin on. And the reason I bring this up, um, when we first did this podcast, God, we're coming up in two years. If we're not over that now, it's actually but, over two years now. Yeah, I think so. We I made a little. Uh, you know how you make that comment? Uh, yeah, I, I grew up. I grew up with Harrison Ford. You know, it's just, it's a saying that we say. Oh, yeah. yeah. grew up with <laughs> Harrison about that. Ford. <laughs> How do you forget about that? Um, so there's the whole running joke of the last, the first few podcasts we did was, oh, he's good friend, Harrison Ford. <laughs> well, when yet, you did grow up with him, Kieran, you just brought all this back. I you should have stayed quiet. I know, but I thought I was waiting for you to just lurch. I, I can say I just I know you're going to jump on me on this one, so I figured I get it out it now. That's you know fair. what I mean? All right. I grew up watching Harrison Ford. Way uh, there you are, like a I creepy am, pervert. Oh, why? <laughs> I here's the cool thing here. We haven't talked Harrison yet, and I am a big Harrison Ford fan in Same the eighties. You couldn't touch Harrison Ford, from Indiana Jones to to Deckard from Blade Runner to John Book from Witness, obviously to Han Solo. He left. Not a lot of actors can have all these characters you can name. Just in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you got Lethal Weapon, Martin Riggs, and he's got uh, Mad Max. So you know, you can, Mel Gibson could do it. He's got two. But Mel Gibson was Ford, actually considered for, for the role of Dr. Richard Kimball, by the way. Oh, I did not know that. There yeah. you go. The more you know from Trevor. <laughs> but Harrison Ford's always been known as being a douchebag. And 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 I and I don't like actors who are douchebags because it's the fans that make them. But I think I kind of get why he became kind of a, uh, just very... Grumpy. Grumpy and arrogant. And I get... And I, I thought about this. And... We got Star. We we all know him for the ones I just mentioned, mainly from Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Um, and I don't think he gets the respect he deserves as an actor. I agree with and you, Karen. He was nominated for Witness, which is a fucking brilliant film. Then he did The Mosquito Coast, another brilliant film. Then he did Frantic, which is another brilliant film. Then he did Working Girl, which is another great film. Then he did a great movie called uh, Presumed Innocent. Um, then he did a cool movie was outside the box from called what lies beneath. Um, my point is anytime people talk Harrison Ford, they only talk about two things, the man with the big space bear <laughs> and the man with the whip. And he probably got so sick of it and no one else is seeing his other films that shows his real potential of who this guy is. This guy's not a movie star. He's an actor. I, I agree. And it, I so I understand why he's so dismissive of playing those other parts. Yeah, and also or why he. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you're fine. 
No, um, recently he was asked, you know, way he popped up on, on the latest Star Wars film as a sort of um, ghost. Um, he was asked uh, on some talk show or something, um, was um, was his return in this film, was it as a force ghost? And he was like, uh, grumpily turned around and said, you know, I have absolutely no idea what a force ghost is, you know. And I like his grumpiness and I like his sort of no-nonsense type, um, you know, attitude. Um, well, I, I, I understand it. I understand it. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm saying. And he's just such an under... I think he's underappreciated. Yeah. Um, so, that being said, my massive opening, opening statement there, um, we're talking the 1993 Fugitive. And the reason I brought up what I was talking about was because this is, I think, quite frankly, A, his best performance ever, and he's done some great ones, but also he kind of mixes the both... Angel and Demon. He kind of mixes the action hero, kind of, that he's known for, but he also shows the acting chops he was known for, he has shown with movies like Witness and Mosquito Coast. Because I'll tell you now, watching this for this podcast, Harrison Ford's performance is hands above his best performance to date. Um, let's just kind of start with The Fugitive. Okay. So, where do we begin? Let's start with The Beard. <laughs> um, I love the beard. Yeah, I remember when the film came out. We saw it in the theater, and no, no one liked it because Harrison Ford's always been the clean, you know, the clean cut. Apparently, looking. The, apparently, the studio didn't like it either. Um, apparently, the yes. studio said we're paying big money for Harrison Ford and we yep. want people to see his face. Yep, that was the that was. It, but I'll tell you what, and I agreed with them back then. But I always say, watching for the podcast eyes through podcast eyes, I completely agree with. The uh, director. Well, they're, they're, they reversed the disguise. Instead of um, you know, um, I'm, ha- I'm having no beard at the start, and then get, getting a false beard and a pair of glasses and a funny nose. Um, you know, um, Hannibal from the A Team style. Um, they actually give him a beard at the start, and he just had to shave it off. And from an artist point of view, it works. Yeah, because we all know Harrison Ford is a clean cut, you know, handsome, tall, preppy. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, it works. No, you know, it's when he's when he's uh escapes and he's gotta shave the beard, he, he does look completely different. It actually works. You would have to do a double take. Not only that, when he has the beard at the start, he looks like a fucking doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's you know, it's part of that whole, you know, sort of very sort of serious and almost pompous doctor type character before he's accused of murdering his wife. Yeah. Um, I just Shipman think, almost, you know. Yeah, I just think going, going, seeing it through a different perspective now. I, I, I can, I, I get it. I actually respect uh, the beard, and um, the cool. Um, then we, uh, there's a scene with the police interrogation, and watching again. I've seen this movie numerous times. When the police are just going, so there's an, there's an insurance policy on your wife, and Harrison Ford's just sitting there, and he's sh- you can see him shaking. As he's playing with his beard, as he's being interrogated by the cops, and he's starting to realize that they're thinking he's the one who killed his wife. Yeah. It is a fucking power, a power, power, power scene. It's such a good scene, such a great scene. Now, apparently, um, with that scene, the reason that has a bit of that sort of drama to it is Harrison Ford didn't know what the questions were going to be. Oh. He had his script. The police had theirs, so he didn't right. know what questions were going to be asked. So he was just improvising a response based on... A lot of the film is improvisation. That is true. That's um, really cool. I had no clue. Yeah. 
That is um, really cool. Because actually, when you see the scene, script wasn't finished when the film when they started shooting. Yes, oh, that's that. That's interesting. Um, um, I know uh, Tommy Lee Jones improvised a lot of his, including the old uh, what was it "Think Me Up" a donut with uh, chocolate donut with those little sprinkles. That was uh, one of his. And the "I Don't Care" um, line was a suggestion of Tommy Lee Jones as well. It was originally a different line. Yeah, it was meant to be like "It's not my problem" or something. Yes, yeah. And he he thought, oh. and apparently Tommy Lee Jones um, did um, have a lot of say in what his character said. You know, his character's lines. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny with you guys talking about that because I had no idea about the improvisation. Yeah. You can, you, you can see, when you, when I think about it now, especially Tom Lee's. Yeah. And you know, I, you know I, the I scene, can see it, especially you know the, the scene, donut one. Yeah. And also with the scene where he shoots the bad guy and how you know the other prisoner. Um, yeah. And then um, the, he, he actually like um, skims his one of his partners, um, you yes. know, like his back or whatever. And then yeah. um, your man's in shock and goes, he, he, um, the guy, the cop says to him, you know, what the fuck were you playing at? Or words to that effect, Tommy Lee Jones then goes very sinister, I don't back down for no one. Or I don't compromise, or, or words to that effect. No, he says, I don't bargain. Yes, that's what it is, yeah. And that that was um, Tommy Lee Jones's um, decision as well, to use that line. It's a great scene, and that's I actually have that in my notes, with who he... he um, oh, you know this guy yeah. doesn't fuck about. Yeah, so you know what I like about it? Yeah, I don't bargain, meaning... I don't give a fuck. My job is to hunt these guys down and to bring them in. And it goes. It, it ties in. Also, it ties in with the line to Harrison Ford. I don't care. Is it don't care whether you're innocent or guilty. I'm just here to do my job, and that's to get you in. Yes. Um, and I'm a badass. Of, yeah. Speaking of that scene, uh, we talk, we talk about the uh, the damn scene, and the damn scene is very famous because that's when they first lock they lock eyes, and he says, "I didn't kill my wife," and he says, "I don't care." And he obviously jumps. Now, here's the funny thing is, the acting is so up, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious on Colin's perspective on this one. If this was Schwarzenegger, right, and he jumps off that dam, yep, just like the plane taking off in commando and jumping from it, we'd be rolling our eyes going, oh, fuck me, here we go. Go Arnold, yeah, you know, we just, you know, root for Arnie. This scene plays... Differently, even though because it's different actors and it's and it the way does. it's shot and it's so well shot, and so it's well done. Tone. It's a different tone. You believe that he would survive that. Well, it's not even so much that you believe he would survive it. It's that it's the drive. It's this man is determined to either evade the law and is willing to die or take his chance at this plunge and try and see. He never gives up. They even say yeah. it in the film. Do you ever give up? You know. Whereas if Arnie took the plunge, you'd just be like, yeah, okay. I mean, the chances are he sunk to the bottom and broke the earth more than anything, you know? <laughs> can, can, can I say as well that the, that the scene where he jumps out of the dam and the start of the film generally, like the first act of the film when he's on the run, reminded me a good bit of First Blood. Um, and there is yeah. that scene in First Blood where Rambo yep. um, jumps off the cliff. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, didn't think, it's, I believe it's the same score. Quite possibly, yeah. I'm, I don't it, know about I, that. Um, Jerry Goldsmith, possibly. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I, I, now that you say that, even the music, the chase scene, is very reminiscent of First Blood. Uh, and the scenery, you know, the, the the backdrop of you know the mountains and stuff, you know, yeah, the forest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although speaking of the score, I'm not gonna lie, it's quite forgettable. Like you're yeah, talking it's not about iconic. it, now, and I honest to God can't remember what I, it sounds like. 
I think that is because I think I'm right. I should have looked it up who the composer was. But you know how composers all have kind of that same score. They have that, you know, besides John Williams has that anthem sound. Mm-hmm. This guy uh, who composed this, uh, he'll, you'll hear the same score from Under Siege. And, and uh, you hear the same score. So I think it's, yeah, it's... I have um, a laptop in front of me, so I ain't going to check who did the score It's now. very, uh, it's repetitive. You've heard it before. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So I think that's what hurts it a bit. But I didn't mind it. Didn't it didn't damage the film any in, in uh So in my music eyes. by James Newton Howard? Yes. James Newton Howard, okay. I'd also like to say as well, just going back a bit about the improvisation, the St. Patrick's Day parade scene was totally improvised and they, that was an, an actual real parade and they had Harrison Ford just basically jump into the middle of it and hope he didn't get recognized. Yeah, it was filmed on St. Patty's or yeah. around there. Because if you watch the film, the rivers turn green in Chicago, and they always do that for St. Patty's Day only. Um, so like let's get back. And that scene was, God help any fish in that river. <laughs> oh, they do it every year. There's no fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think you want to be in the river. Then. No. It's probably full of pollution anyway. That's true. That's true. Um, so we talk about how, uh, what I liked is the, I always talk about this a lot in podcasts, is the arcs. Um, obviously, Harrison Ford doesn't really have one. We kind of know what he what he needs to do. He needs to get to you know solve the crime. You know, art to me is more about personal, personal journey, growth, personal journey. And Tom Lee Jones clearly has it because we talked about it a second ago. I don't bargain. I don't care. His job as a marshal: go in, get the guy, chuck him back in. But he peppers in great. Again, I don't know if it's improv or not. But he slowly starts to, what he doesn't want to do, investigate. He starts realizing the great scene where they're all in the um, in the FBI tower, wherever they are, offices. And they're trying to dissect the phone call. But they're trying to do it by what train is it? Okay, yeah. it's an L train. That's an L train. Okay, who has L trains? New York, Chicago. And then they break it down. By the uh, the, bail. the announcer, they can hear the announcer in the very, and they recognize what street it is. And right there, Tommy looks Chicago. Well, I'll be damned because why is he going back to where this? Why is he going back home? Yeah. So right there, it starts setting out red uh, red flags. Something's more to this. Why is this guy heading back to Chicago? Why would he go back to where the scene of the crime was? Technically, um, it was a great it was a great scene. Um, just um, just dissecting. Um, uh, where he's going. Um, I do have a question. Go ahead. Go for it. Sykes, the one-armed yes. guy. Yeah. Who the fuck hires an assassin with a one-arm? Uh, because he was the head of security at the... Um, he was obviously a trusted sort of um, killer. You know, he would do, be up for most things. Um, but he was a former cop, so he was obviously trained. And also, um, well, it's obviously a reference to the original um, TV series, which is actually pretty good as well, where the, the killer was a one-armed man. But he, he was like a trained sort of, um, he, he, had, he had retired after um, losing his arm in the line of duty. He had then um, become like a security guy for this, um, what do you call it, uh, pharmaceutical firm. Yeah. I mean, okay. Can I, say, can I say as well at this point, because I have to get a bit of a, a David Lynch reference in whenever there is. Oh, God, it, here it, we go. When, Everybody, let's pause for the fucking David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it is connected. Um, and Twin Peaks, um, one of the sort of you know the myster- one of many mysterious characters is Philip Gerard, the one-armed man, 
and he is a 100% reference to the original series of One-Armed Man in the original series of The Fugitive. All right, there you go. So, everybody, you'll sleep better tonight fans. knowing that. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Colin, you were saying? I don't actually remember now. <laughs> Way to go. So great. Colin was going to say something, but now we know about David Lynch. <laughs> Sorry. Again. <laughs> Jeez, I can write a book on David Lynch. Thanks to Trevor. <laughs> um, we were talking about Sykes. Colin. Yeah, uh, so yes. Sykes. Yeah, so I, even even with the explanation of being security, now we find out that Sykes has pretty much been an, an assassin. He's killed a couple of doctors who didn't want this uh, medicine to go through or uh, pass FDA, whatever. And so he's pretty much a hitman. He's the wrong guy for the job. <laughs> uh, so did you have anything to add on that, Colin? Well, what I was thinking is you wouldn't suspect a one-armed man. So maybe that's the advantage. Like you're, like the police were kind of derisive der- uh, of uh, Harrison Ford's statement of it was the one-armed man. Yeah. So... You wouldn't believe that it was him. Like no one would think. Oh yeah, yeah the one armed guy killed him. I I, I suppose um, from that perspective, I just I don't know. I thought they could have tweaked something a little different. Even like one eye guy. They had to, they had like to, they had to put they had to something. make it a one armed man um, because of the original series. Well, they don't have to. And in the original series, the one armed man was just like a common criminal, a burglar. Yeah. So they obviously I've elaborated it a bit I've, more. I've never seen it. Sorry, I ordered um, most of the cast or crew of the movie. Um, That's the way it should be. Kurt, Kurt Russell, be. Um, a very young Kurt Russell, actually a child actor Kurt Russell, um, appeared in the original series. Yeah, he, he did a lot of stuff. Gilligan's Island. Yeah, it, the original series is very much um, done um, like a play, you know, like a stage play where there's uh, there's like um, prologue, scene one, act, you know, coming up on the screen, yeah. title cards, and then there's the epilogue at the end and stuff. It's it's very sort of um, quirky and yeah, it's enjoyable. I haven't seen it all, yeah. like, but I remember watching it years ago and stuff. And repeats would pop up on you know like the digital channels and stuff. And if I'm like sort of what you know channel flicking, I'll stop at that and watch it. You know. Oh, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but the one-armed man did it. <laughs> All right, Spoilers. so there's a there's a really another good scene because, like I mentioned earlier, when you had Tom and Lee and how he's kind of peppering in little investigations on the side, like, does this man really do it? Because um, he starts asking his crew, "Why did he kill his wife?" First time he actually asked a question about the the murder itself. Um, so he starts questioning himself and his team. Um, there's a shot though that threw me off a bit and it's before the St. Paddy's Day uh, Kimball is tracking down all these uh, one-armed men and he decides to go visit one that's uh, uh, kind of uh, same uh, uh, prosthetic that the, that, the, that he's looking for yeah the guy that's he in goes to visit robbery him. yeah yes he arm up pardon the pun <laughs> um, so one-armed robbery <laughs> he, he goes to the, uh, the prison and he goes to visit him and he sits down and realizes it's not him. So he leaves. But at the same time, Tommy Lee's there. It's a fucking great scene. Yeah. And he's going up the stairs. He's going down the stairs. And Tommy's, uh, you know, Gerard, stops. And he, all he says is, Richard. And obviously, instinct, Harrison Ford looks up. And the chase begins. Now, he escapes, as we know. But there's a shot where he, there's the doors are closing. And he gets his foot stuck. So it's just it. Uh, Tommy Lee's between between him and and uh, Harrison Ford is the glass, and he and Tommy shoots him. Literally, if that glass wasn't there. He was aiming to kill him. 
Well, I don't know if he was trying to break the glass to get through or what he was attempting to do. Yeah. All I can think of was, why didn't you shoot him in the foot? Yes, I was thinking about that as well, Colin. 100%. I say, why didn't you shoot his foot? But also, I don't think he was trying to kill him. I think he was just trying to basically... It was scare like, him? Well, not, not scare him. I think he was trying to shoot him, but not to kill him. It was yeah, but if you down. look at the shots, you know, like shoot him at his head. He, I don't think he was going for his head. I think he was going for like maybe his um, just to then take him down. Then he's, then he's a horrible shot. Yeah, that's you look at the, you look at the movie. So I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? Because here's a guy who's starting to question if this man is innocent or not, and he takes a massive chance of shooting him. I don't think he was trying to kill him. Um, okay, maybe he knew it was the restrained glass or mm-hmm. bulletproof, whatever. No, no, I think he was trying to to hit him. But uh, maybe like say uh, on the leg or the you know, maybe something like you know his back or something just to some something to bring him down to stop him in his tracks, but not to actually kill him. I could be wrong, obviously. Uh, essentially, that scene's set up for um, you know tense dramatic um, reasons. But again, it goes back to my my thing with the dam, and you mentioned it with the, we talked about uh, Colin with the Schwarzenegger thing. It's so it's not over the top, but technically he probably wouldn't have got away. Yeah. That place would have been surrounded by cops in seconds, but you believe it, you buy into it because you're you're rooting nothing but for him. You want him to escape, so all the the plausibility kind of around it, it's gone. Well, you don't care that you don't you don't judge the film based on that. I've been keeping this till later, but I have one complaint about this film. Um, um, so I'm going to put it out now. We're talking about plausibility. Yeah, I think it is an utterly fantastic film. But one thing that I do believe lets it down is the finale. And that is whenever, um, basically, um, Kimball and the German guy, you know, the other doctor, both turn into fucking Rambo. And I think the film at this point doesn't know whether it's a thriller or an action film. Uh, we'll get to that. Yep. We're coming to it. I will argue that one. Um, so as the movie goes on, you know, uh, there's a scene in the subway, uh, the subway where he finally confronts the one-armed man. And this is where I was talking about the him being a this big assassin guy because Harrison Ford pretty much kicks his ass um, pretty easily, um, and obviously handcuffs him to the train and witnesses around. You missed your stop. <laughs> Clearly, he's gonna you know people are gonna start realizing this guy didn't do it. Uh, but before that, they're in the train scene again. Little, little, little subtle scenes. He sits down. He looks weather and tired. Harrison Ford's performance, just by the looks on his face, are brilliant. The guy across from him is reading the paper, and you see Richard Kimball's face on the other side of the paper. Yeah. And the guy flips it around, and he looks up, and he sees Richard Kimball in front of him. And Richard, he knows he's caught him. He gives him this little smirk like, fuck, I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, or, Please, no. I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't care. Love that. It's just a little scene. I just loved it. It was a great shot. Great, great little, great little scene. The uh, the thing with this is, I didn't watch The Fugitive until it must have been probably within the last ten years or so. Um, and there was a scene whenever I first watched it that I was specifically looking out for, as you mentioned here, and it's the fact that the janitor Neil Flynn from Scrubs is in this. Yeah, and they make reference to it yeah. in Scrubs. Yes, that like. Yeah. That Scrubs set me on a path to watch The Fugitive because I was like, "What, really?" <laughs> oh, that's that's right. He's such a such a great film, and uh, he's he's known for all of his uh, comedy roles. Yep, and uh, he lasts for about half a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally just Kimball and then shot. 
Uh, we find out that obviously uh, his buddy Doctor Nicholas is obviously the one who's kind of uh, running the whole show. Um, negative and a positive with this one. A, I knew who he was. He was guilty the whole time, yep. even when I saw the movie in '94, because it's played by an actor called Jerome Crowley, who always plays bad guys. Um, so right there, I knew he was the bad guy. He was too slimy but, as well, even from the off. No, that's where you're wrong. I think because I think. And Colin, since uh, you haven't chimed in on on Joan Crab yet, I thought his performance was pretty good because even though he's a guy, we know he, you know, he did it just because of his past movie roles. But as he as he played it in the film, he he seemed like a very sincere guy. The way you know he pay he pays the valet, how he make his uh, Richard Kimball money, how he won't tell the FBI anything. How he you actually straight up goes just. Yeah, I, I saw him this morning. He wanted me to help. Yeah. But it was pretty obvious it's... he was going to be... Yeah, and I'll tell you why. What that, that plot line reminded me a lot of, and in fact so much that I went and checked who wrote the Fugitive, the, the film version. Um, it's basically a very similar plot in this respect to Ghost. Uh, what? What? The, the fact that his, his, mate, his best mate who he worked with was behind it all, you know, like in Ghost. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Well, you can see that. A lot of, a lot of films do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know... But to go, I was like, "What?" <laughs> no, no, just, just that particular plot line, you know. Where oh, that's right. There's the director's cut. Tommy Lee and Harrison Ford are making clay animals together. <laughs> Sex scene. Yeah. Yeah. His wife comes back as a ghost and sits behind her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that would have been with Auntie and Melody young. playing in the background. <laughs> Fugitive, R.I.P. <laughs> um, and then well. So he decides he's going to go confront him during this big uh, uh, swindig in, in, in a medical convention, whatever it is. And he calls him out in front of everybody. It's a great scene because, you know, yeah. this is where you just stand up and go, yeah. This is where they should have ended it. No, you're completely wrong. You got these guys, one of them who is beyond angry, and that's Kimball. So his energy and everything he's fought to get to this one scene, to get this guy and the rage he is feeling is empowered on him. He just goes after him. And where I think you're wrong here, Trevor, they go on the roof and they fight a little bit and they fall through and then he ends up hitting the elevator. By the time he gets out of that elevator, he can't even move. If it wasn't for Tommy Lee Jones showing up, you know, to kind of distract him, yeah. to let him know that there's a great scene where he, Tommy Lee, he's yelling at him going, I know you didn't do it. And there's, there's a scene where Kimball almost breaks into tears. He's like, thank God this is over. I, I, but my point is that he's weathered, he's tired, he could barely stand up. So I completely disagree with you. I, I know what you're saying, and, and I think the the thing that does save it is the uh, the brilliant acting by the like by, by the likes of Harrison Ford. Well, all three of them essentially. Um, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, and you know the the um, the he's actually a Dutch actor, I think. Um, we were looking him up earlier, and um, but he plays a lot of German roles and stuff. But yeah, I think what seems it is the brilliant acting, but to, to me, it sort of, it went too far into the realms of action film there. I think up until then, it was one of the best thrillers I'd seen, uh, best written thrillers. Um, but but I think that, I think they just went a, a step too far with that sort of over the top finale, you know, whenever they're like uh, on the stairs and falling out windows and then onto the um, elevator and stuff. It's, you know, it, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It does work. But from the point of um, a thriller, I thought it was unnecessary. And I think it, no. it could have ended with no. Harrison Ford just calling him out at the convention. 
and then you know. Oh God, that would have been. No, this guy needed his comeuppance, and Harrison Ford no, deserved no, the like, boxing no, match. No, he should have like tried so to like, escape or something, or, or pulled a gun and something a bit more restrained, and you know, like turning into both of them turning into Rambo, like like taking maybe somebody hostage, you know, one of the um, other people. May, are, yeah, like the, when you say Rambo, you're taking it to the step. Oh no, no, far, yeah, I'm exaggerating. Um, I think it's it's tamed down. I think the action works. I do think. I I think I called it out. If these guys were still fighting, kicking each other's ass, and Tom Lee shows up, then I'd go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. But by the time Tom Lee shows up, these guys are fucking, I'm done. Just shoot me. Mm-hmm. So I disagree completely. With Cinematically, that. it works. But from a sort of pl- um, a sort of character and plot point of view, I, I did. Uh, no, that's why they had to do it. I did have issues with it. Um, what, Har- what Harrison Ford has gone through because of this fucker, his supposed best friend, he's going to sit there and go, okay, I'm going to take you in now. Bullshit. I would go after him of all my energy to take that fucker down with my own hands. Of course, of all this whole film, Harrison Ford, Richard Kimball's character, he's been quite qu- quiet. Yeah. He sneaks in and out, kind of like a cat burglar, which he has to in his own right. So now he has all this fucking rage and energy. He's been so toned and quiet and just, okay, I, I you know, I blah, blah, and just, you know, very soft and. He finally explodes. can get all of his rage out to go after the one man who's done this to him. Are you fucking kidding me? I, nah. I think it would have worked better if um, the um, Dr. Nicholas or whatever you call him had maybe took one of the other doctors hostage, you know, to, to try and get away. And then maybe, and then he was like, you know, screaming, you no, know, because you know, that, where you know, that Kimball's wrong and, and, you know, Kimball's is guilty and, you know, all this here. And, and Tommy Lee Jones um, has to pull a gun and has to decide which one of them to shoot. And he, and um, you're unsure and you think he's going to shoot Kimball, but then he shoots the fucking bad guy. And then that's a proper car, um, arc again for No, because by that time he, by the time he knew about Sykes. Yeah. So that it wouldn't make any sense yeah. for that to happen. He would have made the yeah. right call. Colin, yes. you weigh in. Yes, Colin. What did you think about yes. the Yes, been listening to both of you go at it. Um, I am actually, as much as I love arguing with you, Kieran, I am on your side on this one. Yeah! <laughs> wow, um, hold on. Hold on. I need to read ringtone. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. <laughs> just, just, a, just a new message to him. You, I'm right, you're right, Kieran. I'm on your side this time. <laughs> uh, no, I, I fully agree. Um, it is an action thriller, and I think it toes that line quite well. I think the ending that you're talking about, Trevor, would have then ended up in the eye roll territory for me, much like how if Arnie had jumped off the waterfall, if, you know, yeah. the bad guy takes a hostage and tries to escape, you're just like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, cliche. Yeah. I, I, it's yeah, just... Uh, that, that was just it off was the well top of my head. You know, but, you know, I thought, yeah... I, uh, it it did get a bit too Hollywoody and Hollywood action for me. For me, they don't get me wrong. I I it's not a it, it's not a you know this is generally a quite minor niggle, but um, overall it's a fantastic film in my opinion. Okay. No, I mean it, it, yeah yeah I hear what you're saying. It's you didn't you're not a big fan of the action scene, but it, it doesn't destroy the film by any means. Yeah, I just thought maybe the um, action was sort of verging a little bit too much into the sort of Arnie territory. Um, or, or Stallone territory and don't get me wrong I'm a fucking huge fucking Arnie and Stallone action film fan so but you know what I mean it's like you know there's a time and a place you know what I mean and I just don't think it, it really suited the tone of the mystery and the thriller from earlier on not, not, I mean it does still work but maybe just not um, 100% for me in that respect yeah well, okay. well in terms of action what do you think about the more action packed sequel slash spin off which is US Marshals I haven't seen it really uh, I, haven't, I, I, I have I to be honest it. I haven't seen it I saw it Okay. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I quite like it. 
it's I enjoy it. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is good. Is, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tommy Lee. I thought it was all right. It wasn't offensive by any means. No, it, um, I mean, it did, it did average. I, I, yeah. I own it. It's a good movie. It's a good watch. Yeah. Right? yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, you can check it out. If you like Fugitive, check out U.S. Marshals. A lot of people might not realize it was because they call it U.S. Marshals. It's more about, obviously, Gerard, who Tom Lee got the Oscar for the movie. Um, I have a question no, you for you guys Fugitive, as well. not U.S. Marshals. Yeah, you got the... You got the, you got the you got the movie for Fugitive. You got the Oscar for the Fugitive. Hence, why U.S. Marshals got the spinoff. Um, I have a question for you guys now as well. But again, Harrison Ford. I, I honestly should have got should have been. I just don't. I mean, not. I mean, Colin. We yep. talked about Harrison Ford a long time ago. We kind of talked about uh, Graham was on the podcast at the time. We talked about how he knew him for the roles that he does. He probably doesn't like anymore. You know, Han Solo and mm-hmm. uh, Indiana Jones. His performance. What do you think of Harry? I mean, what do you think is his performance in this film? You got to admit, it is spot on. It Did you- is, but I give. The acting weight in this movie more so to Tommy Lee Jones. I was just about... That's the question I was going to ask you guys. Who do you think stole the show? Harrison Ford or Tommy Lee Jones? But see, the problem I'm having, two reasons. A, you said he improved a lot. When you're improving, you're a clown. You have, and most of his improvs were more about, you know... And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed them. But they're, they stand out. So they're going to be more fun. Like the bad guy. You know, the bad guy always gets the standout role and the standout lines. That's Where Harrison true. Ford had to play, he just pretty much didn't talk the entire film. Yeah. But you can tell by his facial moves and like the scene I talked about on the train where he knows that guy's about to see his picture and how he just plays it off. You just, you felt so sorry for this character. I, I but, in the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I just, I feel it's harder to, 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 to be able to play a character, be sympathetic and do all this for him, be sympathetic and rooting for him and barely say a word the entire film. I agree with you, Karen. I think um, Harrison Ford's acting is um, by um, not maybe not by far, but it's certainly the better of the two, and they're both great. I have to say, but with Tommy um, Lee Jones's style of acting, anyway, it's quite sort of ham-fisted and over the top and loud. And uh, but with um, Harrison Ford, especially in this film, it is much more subtle and much more powerful. Therefore, because of it, keep in mind Andrew Davis, who directed this, started with horror, but he actually went to do a lot of action with Chuck Norris. He did quite a few. Um, uh, Steven Seagal stuff, including Under Siege, which was a huge commercial hit for him, and that's why he got the fugitive. But Tom Lee was in Under Siege. Yeah, that's right. He was and a villain. He played this. He was the villain. He played the hammy, you know, the over the top. So he pretty much just took that persona and brought it to the fugitive. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but then, counter to that, I would say Harrison Ford, for the most part, always plays the guy who doesn't actually say that much. No, I mean, I don't think you've seen enough of his films. You know, I okay, mean, that that may be true. My my experience with Harrison Ford is basically let me guess um, Star Wars Indiana Jones. Star Wars Indiana Jones and the Jack Ryan. Um, overall, I think um, you know Harrison Ford. You know, as you mentioned earlier on, Kieran, he's not well. He is a movie star, but he's more of an actor as well. You know, like a serious actor. Yes, he's not just a movie yes. star. This guy's a serious actor, and he's not just you know there for the big roles and you know just to you know um you know be a big star. He's a serious actor at the same time. Well. And let's just end on that note because we'll just end on what how I be, how I began the podcast with that. There's movie stars and actors. Very rare to get both in one, and he is that guy. Yes, I better agree with that. Um, um, all right, um, I think we're all on a board. We all agree the future is a solid, solid film. Are we not? Uh, are we leaving it at that? Is that correct? I, I would. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to run with that. Yeah. Um, Colin, you enjoyed it. I didn't think you would like it, Colin, for some reason. Don't know why. Really. 
don't know why. I, I, no, it's a movie. It. Usually, oh, I'm glad, glad you liked it. Usually, you know, I don't know. You always make me feel bad about my movies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true, but no, uh, I'm with you on this one. I don't have much of a problem with it. I, I could nitpick on some of the small stuff, but again, really small stuff. Like beginning of the film, the I think the opening sequence went on too long with the flashbacks. Score's pretty forgettable. That's about it. Okay. I agree with the, I agree the credits went a little too long there. Um that was all the flashbacks. And yep. like, the credits are still going. We're halfway through the film. Directed by. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, no, I think you're pretty spot on with everything. I, I agree the score is kind of forgettable. It's pretty much it's formerly like it's the same music you get from First Blood and all these kind of you know generic action thriller score. Um that's a wrap. Trevor Colin, thanks for uh chiming in. I appreciate it. Thank you, Karen. No problem. Uh, uh, big shout out uh, Trevor's new issue of Phantasmagoria is out this week yes it is available on all platforms on Amazon that includes Kindle and hard copy as well as locally at Forbidden Planet yep. is there anything I'm missing there Trevor um, no that's a, that's about it really um, yeah we're um, available yeah like you say throughout the world from Amazon and also um, Forbidden Planet International Belfast there you go. Keep downloading us. Keep listening. Please follow us. Any ideas, any concepts, any you want to make fun of somebody, go for it. Trevor's, go for it. You want to make fun of Trevor and David Lynch references, please feel free. We don't mind. We'll take it all on board. Um, we are out of this one. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. All the best. Bye.